Kevin, please come. Take it away. So the big question I have this morning, Paul, is where do you and I go when we feel wiggly? You know, like if we're kind of like we're antsy and like, do I go up and play? And can I color? You know, like I, I don't know exactly. So okay, that joke was funnier in my head. So it's great to be here with all of you. Um, yes, sir. Hey, that's true. That's true. And I move too. I'm swaying more and more and more. Becoming a little less Baptist in my worship. You know kind of clap my hands. I still, every once in a while, struggle with the beat, but I'm working on it. Um, again, it's just wonderful to be here with all of you, with our church family, and those of you who, we know this is also a season of transition here in the city of Ottawa. This is just, we're a very transient city here. We have people who've been with us for years who move away, and we bless them in Jesus' name as they move. And it's also a season when people move to the city and start checking Greenbelt out. So I, we bless those who are leaving, and you will be missed, and we welcome those who are new, and we hope that you will feel loved. And you're, if God is calling you to be a part of the family here, because I can say from 13 years of pastoring this church is I love you and I love this church and I love everything that God does in and through this church. And that does not mean we're perfect. We mess up. We make mistakes, but we pick each other up and we love each other well while we're learning and while we're growing and figuring out this Jesus thing. Um, we've been in this series called... Um, becoming like Jesus. And that's ultimately the goal. If we say that we are followers of Jesus, we kind of are on this pathway. We're on this journey. We're on this life-changing adventure of becoming more and more like Jesus. And one of the things I just love about our church is with the way we see different people serving in different kind of capacities here. And we just so appreciate that. If you're new with us, you may not be aware of this, but we actually have an Arabic service that runs at the same time in the room where we have coffee after this service. And it's just been amazing to see how God is moving and reaching people through that Arabic speaking ministry as well. So I just wanted to give a shout out to one of the volunteers. She can't hear me, but you can go thank her afterwards. Uh, Mireille served in our cafe and she makes coffee for us. She worships in Arabic and then makes coffee for all of us English people afterwards. And so we're just really appreciative of everyone who serves over there. And, um, so in this whole idea, we're wrapping up First John. We're going through this little tiny letter, only five simple chapters at the end of your Bible. I was originally going to do a sermon series right after this one. I was going to do a few weeks of talking about Jesus and government. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that you laugh at that statement knows just how politically charged that is. And I was actually prepping that message and I was just feeling God saying, wait on that. So I'm going to wait till the next election. And I think that'll just be a lot more fun. And then I'll just get better emails on Monday morning after that. So, so we're going to, sp- going to pause on that, but we're going to continue Talking about becoming like Jesus, we're just going to continue. We're finishing First John today. We're going to continue into Second John next week. Got a guest speaker the following week, and then we're going to wrap up with Third John. It's like, let's just keep this going and just keep into this writings of John because John, again, if you're not familiar with who he is, or just a little bit of a reminder, he is the the apostle known as the beloved disciple. 
He's the one who has the title of the one whom Jesus loved. And I've said this before throughout this series. How many of you would love to be known as that? The disciple whom Jesus loved. I am not enough hands went up on that one. If you don't want to be known as the disciple whom Jesus loved, what would you like to be known as? right? It's kind of like I firmly believe if we as followers of Jesus can confidently put this on our tombstone, that we are beloved of Jesus. That is the most important title that you can have in this life. You could be a great mother. You could be an amazing father. You could be a great worker. You could be an amazing church leader. You could be a great pastor, great elder, great kids ministry volunteer, all of these things. But at the end of your life, the end of my life, all that is going to matter is this relationship that we have with Jesus. And so this is John's biggest desire for his church back in the days when he wrote this letter. And it continues throughout church history that the biggest desire for the church is what do you do with Jesus? You see, back in John's day, and we've been seeing this over the last few weeks as we've been looking at this letter, is there are people coming in trying to dilute who Jesus is. They're trying to minimize who Jesus is. Well, Jesus isn't really God. He's just a, a prophet, Oh, Jesus is just a really good idea. He's just a good religious leader, right? It doesn't really matter who Jesus is as long as you're sincere, as long as you volunteer, as long as you're a good boy, a good girl, put money in the offering basket, all these things. It doesn't matter. Just be sincere. (laughs) See, that was the message 2,000 years ago. And that message has not changed. It has not changed. We still live in a world of darkness that is trying to dilute who Jesus is. Trying to take away the fullness of Jesus' life. His ministry, his death, his resurrection... And his divinity. Because if you can get rid of those things, you can have a lot of really busy people on Sunday morning that are just going through religious motions. (laughs) But at the end of the day, that does not matter. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is what you believe about Jesus. Again, in this season of transition, when people come to Greenbelt and people want to meet with me to kind of get to know what the church is all about, and especially as people who don't have a church background want to talk to me and ask questions about the church and what the church is all about, the number one thing that they don't ask me is about my view of Jesus. Today, in the climate and the culture that we live in today, guess what number one question is that people ask me? Gender. It's gender issues. Number one. Number one. And people will choose whether they come back 
based on how I answer their gender question. Now, I'm not addressing that topic at all today because I don't feel like getting emails tomorrow. Okay? But that's number one. It's not Jesus. <laughs> and so I'm going to give you the big idea first before we read today's text. Normally I read the text, we unpack the text, then I give you a big idea. Here's the big idea as we're wrapping up First John together today. If you and I are on a journey of becoming like Jesus, right, becoming like Jesus is a journey of believing in Jesus. <laughs> Everything that we talked about throughout this last five weeks <laughs> is meaningless if you are not growing in believing in Jesus. Because as John said in the beginning of this letter, there is a kingdom of light, there is a kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of darkness does everything it possibly can to prevent you from believing in Jesus. That's their goal. To get you busy and distracted with everything else that this world has to offer. And we forget about the most important thing. We forget that becoming like Jesus is a journey of believing in Jesus. So I'm going to read, I want to read just to wrap up this letter. I'm going to read the entirety of chapter 5. There's a lot of things in here, really great, fun things to study and get deeper into that I, that I won't be able to get into today just for lack of time. But I did want to read it all just so we can get the sense of this urgency that John in this letter to the church is, is really driving in this idea of believing in Jesus. So I'm going to start here. First uh, John chapter five, starting in verse one it says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. I love this verse. Have you ever felt like sometimes following Jesus feels like a big old burden? Only my hand this morning. Okay, it's just your pastor. Okay, thank you for the one other hand. Okay. It's like sometimes like this is burdensome. I'd rather just do something else. I remember there was a meme that came out a number of years ago, and there was this guy kind of like a, you could see these feet sticking out of this blanket in bed and the pillow over the head and the mother trying to wake up. It looked like a teenager or a young adult trying to wake them up. It's like, it's church. It's time to get to church. It's like, Mom, I don't want to go to church. Like, why not? No one likes me. I don't have any friends. And it's completely irrelevant to my life. And the mother goes, well, you have to go. You're the senior pastor. <laughs> okay. Sometimes following Jesus can feel like a burden. And that could be because we may not be following Jesus. We might be following something else, right? Because following his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. I'm going to come back to this point. Highlight verse 4 here. Right. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth for there are three that testify 
spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Another great verse underline. And then he concludes here in verse 13, says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sins do not that sorry I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that we should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. And we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him, uh, know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. You see, you can really sense this urgency. You can really sense this pastoral, this parental passion that's happening here from this apostle, this pastor, this church leader, that he's desperate for the church to know who Jesus is, that everything hinges on that. It's not about just keeping commandments, even though he talks about keeping commandments. It's not just about not sinning anymore, even though he talks about a journey of not sinning anymore. He keeps going back to who is the son of God. And this is crucial in the journey of becoming like Jesus. Becoming like Jesus is a, is a journey of believing in Jesus. And there's so many different things that we can pull out of this. And again, I encourage you to read this. There's like deep, deep, rich stuff here in this passage. But I want to just kind of talk about a few things here from this chapter to help us to help us when we leave here today that we feel different that we become a little different because the spirit that john talked about here is pointing us to the most important thing nothing in your life is more important than how you handle the question of who is Jesus. And for those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, there is no greater question that you need to ask yourself than this, is do I believe more in Jesus? Or am I letting the world 
change my view of Jesus. We all have to wrestle with that, right? Like, so here in this section, I love how John starts this off and he reminds us of this adoption that we have as God's children, right? And as God's children, as adopted, suddenly we are no longer people led by our own desires, right? We're we're no longer people that have to be pulled and conflicted by the desires of the world. We're no longer people that have to give in to the powers of darkness and the plots of the evil one around us because we live in a new family. We live in the family of God. And so in this I want to pull out three key ideas of what this new family looks like to help us on the journey of believing in Jesus more and more and more. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to jot these down. The first point is this, is that you and I, we need to constantly be reminded. We need to believe that Jesus is conqueror. I was watching this um, YouTube video this week. Anyone else doom scroll a lot where you just find yourself watching all these YouTube shorts? You get, I get up at 5.30 every morning and I read my Bible and then I pull up my phone to kind of get an idea what my day is like. And I open up YouTube and it's like, oh my goodness, quarter to eight. How did that happen? Blah. Every once in a while I get some good stuff in there and there's some good Bible stuff that comes through my feed, which is great, right? And we live in kind of this Western Christianity that teaches us, I need to do amazing things for God. I need to build a bigger ministry, a bigger build, a business, make more money. I need to just do these amazing, incredible things for God. I need to conquer. Now, John does say that you and I are conquerors, right? And Paul talks about this as well in the book of Romans, that we are more than conquerors. But what makes us a conqueror? That answer should be a lot louder. We have the kids in the room. It's like Sunday school. What's the answer to every question, kids? Exactly, right? Because it's the only answer that matters, okay? (laughs) Right? You are a conqueror because you were first conquered. Okay? I came to Christ as a young adult. I know exactly what my life was like before Jesus. See, my wife and I, we both came to Christ as adults. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if Jesus wouldn't have conquered me, I would be a divorced alcoholic today. I know that for certainty. And how can I say that with absolute certainty? Because that was my family of origin. That's what we learned. That's how we lived We were broken and hurting and struggling with all these substance abuses, right? And I praise God for the freedom that my family members have been receiving, and it's amazing. But without me being conquered, that was my my lifeline. That was where it was going. (laughs) See, we need to constantly be reminded that the reason we are conquerors (laughs) It's because you were conquered. Your sin 
kept you very far from God. And some of you go, well, I don't have any sin. Well, you got pride. (laughs) Because if you believe you are without sin, the Bible says every human being is without sin. If you believe, no, I'm a good person and it's society that makes me bad. No, no. When you were a newborn baby, you would have killed your mother for milk if you could have. Okay, we're not good by default. We're sinful, we're depraved, we're, there's evil in us. And yet, because we have the image and likeness of God, there are glimpses of good. But it's Jesus who conquers us. That Jesus dealt with our sin. Right here in verse uh, verse 5 of First John 5, right, it says, Who is it that overcomes the world? It's only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And we conquer because we believe. <laughs> Jesus is the one who conquered my sin. When John talks about this battle, this kingdom, this kingdom of light and this kingdom of darkness, right, it's this kingdom of darkness that had to be overcome in my own life. And I couldn't do it. You can't do it. It's only Jesus conquering that can make you a conqueror. Right? In this section here, uh, it talks about this idea of, in verse 6, of the one who came by water and blood. It's talking about Jesus here. And this is a great little passage to study. I won't get too deep into it, but you can look into this. There are so many different views of what this passage here means. Um, some people believe that the water and the blood is um, about the sacraments of the church, that it's water baptism, and that it's, uh, it's the Eucharist, it's communion, it's the Lord's Supper. So baptism and communion is testifying who Jesus is. That's one idea. Other people believe that this is the idea of when Jesus was executed and when the spear was placed into his side and then water and blood came out showing his death. So some people believe that. Um, I tend to believe, and and I could be wrong, and that's okay, and, and a lot of interpreters believe this too, is that the water and the blood is actually summarizing the entirety of Jesus's ministry. His water baptism, when the Holy Spirit came on him, where suddenly he starts doing ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit by the will of God the Father in baptism, and then his death on the cross. And everything about that is crucially important in the life of the believer. That is the testimony that Jesus is God. Every miracle, every teaching, every sermon, every time he, you know, walked on water, all the miracles, everything that he did from baptism to death, and then proven through resurrection, right? And the reason why the entirety of Jesus's ministry is so important is the journey. (laughs) That everything about Jesus's ministry is showing me, (laughs) showing us how Jesus conquers the kingdom of darkness. (laughs) That he conquers the kingdom of darkness out in the world. He conquers the kingdom of darkness within my own heart, (laughs) within our own hearts, (laughs) We have to grow in this more and more and more. It is not your job to grab your Bible 
and start smacking non-Christians with it to conquer them. It's not your job. Your job is to lovingly point them to the one who conquered you. They're not the enemy. They're the prize. Just like you and I are God's prize as one of his children. So we have to grow in this belief that Jesus is conqueror. We also have to grow in the belief that Jesus is the life, right? In verses 11 and 12, John writes, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And I get in our kind of religious, pluralistic, anything goes culture, this is where people don't like us. Because this is where the church becomes very exclusive. Right? We don't believe that life is available, eternal life, abundant life in this world is available by just being a good girl or a good boy. Or just being sincere. We believe what the Bible teaches us that it only comes from Jesus. It only comes from belief in him. Because Jesus said these words, John wrote it in his gospel in verse in chapter 14 verse 6 says, "I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." In John chapter 10 of his gospel, he writes, Jesus said these words, "I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." You see, becoming like Jesus We need to grow in the life that Jesus offers us. The world wants to offer us a whole bunch of things that look great, that look fun, that look like that would be a great way to spend my money. That'd be a great way to spend my time. But those messages of the world, the goal of them ultimately is to make our hearts try to find life from another source apart from Jesus. And we have to figure out in this journey, well, how do I experience life in Christ? When I'm hurting, when I'm depressed, when I'm lonely, when I'm worried about my finances, when I'm having trouble breathing, all of these things, when I'm worried about wars, when I'm worried about the economy, All these things that weigh us down and stress us out, right? We have to learn to believe that Jesus is life. And it can be challenging and it can be difficult. But that's why we do this believing that Jesus is life together. Because when you're hurting, the words of someone else, the encouragement of someone else, the belief of someone else helps you to experience life. And then when you're good and that other person is hurting, and then you bring life to them, right? This is why we, even in a season like right now where so many ministries take a little bit of a break during the summer, um, Jesus isn't taking a break this summer. Like we all get that, right? Okay, just because the life group's not meeting and just because kid zone's not happening, all those things, Jesus still is bringing life. 
And he wants to bring life through this church. He wants to bring life through you. He wants you to experience life. Right? And the beauty of what I love about this life is that it deals with that darkness. It deals with the pride, the lust, the greed, the comfort, the apathy that can so easily take root in all of our hearts. But suddenly when your heart's filled with life and joy, peace and mercy and love, suddenly you live in very, very different ways, right? And we grow in that. So becoming like Jesus is a journey of believing in Jesus. We believe that Jesus is conqueror. We believe Jesus is life. And then the last point to conclude on this is this, is we believe in Jesus, there is freedom from sin, right? In verse 16, it talks about this, right? It talks about if you see a brother or sister commit a sin that, that does not lead to death. What's John talking about here? Well, there is in other parts of your Bible that talks about that there is this one unforgivable sin. It talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. And what does that unforgivable, what does that actually mean? It means when the Holy Spirit is prompting your heart to turn to Jesus. In the free will that God has given you, you say, no, thank you. I'll pass. <laughs> It's for losers. It's for old people. It's for people who don't know how to have fun. People who don't believe in science. All these things. I always love when I meet people who say I don't believe in science. And then I have to show them my college degree in science. It's what I went to school in. Like This is why Christianity made perfect sense to me. Because the math adds up. Two plus two always equals four. You don't need any higher math. You don't need any other weird way to get to four. It's always four. And it's always Jesus. No matter how I look at everything. Okay. But Jesus sets us free from sin. And John talks about this idea. When you see a brother or sister that is committing sin. Not the sin where they're denying. But the sin that's taking them away from Jesus. You Pray for that person. And you believe that Jesus is going to set them free from their sin. When I, when I was a new pastor and I would be mentoring people, people would tell me about their sin. And, and I'm very humbled when people share their life and their experience with me and their struggles with me. It's, it's a very humbling position to take. But I've heard in all those years again and again and again this idea that, well, Pastor Kevin, this is my sin that I have. I will always have this. And I used to go, probably. And if I ever said that to you, I repent and I'm sorry. Because that was wrong. And that was bad teaching. Now, we're never going to be perfect on this side of heaven. We're all, there's always going to be something in the journey. But God's deep desire for you is to see you set freed from sin that is holding you back. And I can actually say this with certainty because I've seen him do it again and again and again and again in so many people's lives. Right? So this idea that whatever sin that you have and that you're struggling with and you have taken on this false identity that you are always going to have that. No, we renounce that today in Jesus name. It's gone. It cannot stay on you. 
because that is not who you are. Right? Because it says right here that God wants to set you free from that. Not so that you can be this religious person and show off, look how amazing I am. No, it's so that you can hit your knees in tears and worshiping the Lord that he set you free from that. And you can praise him. Thank you, God, for healing me a sinner. (laughs) When you realize that you're on this journey of being set free from sin, it changes how you view God. It changes how you view people around you in the church. And then it changes how you view people outside of the church who are lost and confused by their sin. When you experience the freedom from your sin, how dare we then go out of this building and judge them for theirs? We need to love them back into the kingdom of God as someone who has been set freed from our own sin. But it's a journey. And we stumble. And I make mistakes. And we say the wrong thing or we have the wrong attitude, but we humbly come before our Father. Humbly through the power of the Spirit to become more like Jesus. Saying, I believe in Jesus more and more. I believe that Jesus wants to set me free from sin. I believe that Jesus is conqueror. And I believe that Jesus is life. See, when we live that way as the church, suddenly then all these things and these that we pray for, that we want, that we desire, then, then God just starts pouring out his blessings and God starts revealing himself more and more to us because of what we've done with our faith in Jesus. And so as we, I'm going to wrap up. We're going to pray. And I just want to invite everyone to just, wherever you're at, just, just close your eyes for a moment, please. I don't do this a lot, so just bear with me. I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to just ask yourself, how's my belief in Jesus? Are there things about Jesus that I don't want to believe? Or are there things about Jesus that I'm struggling with believing? Maybe for some of you that are here today or those of you that are joining online, you have never put your belief in Jesus. You've always thought that Jesus was just some good idea, just some other religious option. And I can tell you from my own life experience, I can tell you from experience that I've seen in the life of so many people in this church. See, we don't believe that. We believe that Jesus is the son of God. We believe that Jesus is the conqueror over the world of the kingdom of darkness. We believe that Jesus is the life. He's the only pathway to eternal life. And we believe that Jesus has the power to deal with whatever sin you're struggling with. And you can be adopted into the family of God just by simply turning your heart from your sin and turning it to Jesus. (laughs) Right where you are, at home or in this room, just simply praying, Father, forgive me, a sinner. (laughs) Come to my life. Make me new. If you pray that way online, a pop-up shows up, please click that, let us know. If you pray that here in the room, please tell me in the cafe afterwards. would love to celebrate with you. But for the rest of us, continuing with your eyes closed, let's pray. Father, forgive me when I have felt 
I needed to be the conqueror. When I've tried to use my will to conquer others. Father, thank you today for the reminder that you first conquered me. Maybe I was a young child. Maybe I was a teenager. Maybe I was a young adult. But at some point in my life, you conquered me. And you dealt with my sin. And you welcomed me as a daughter, as a son, into the family of the Most High God. So God, today I thank you and I worship you for that. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the life. Father, forgive me for all the things of this world that distract me, that try to pull me away from the life that only you can give. Holy Spirit, bring more of this life into my life. And may that life shine before others. And Lord God, there's sin in my life that I don't like. There's sin in my life that hurts the people around me, that hurts my loved ones, that hurts me, and that grieves your heart. And if I've ever accepted an identity that this sin is who I am and I will always have it, God, I give that to you today. And I believe that Jesus will deal with that sin and that you would bring healing and hope back into my life. And so, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, in this posture, we now worship. In this posture of Jesus being conqueror, of Jesus being the life, of Jesus bringing freedom to the captive, we worship you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.